Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. I'm editing it, but I still don't know what to call it. So, I mean, you know by now because you saw it in your podcast player, but at this moment, I don't know. Well, that was information you didn't need. Here's some information you do need. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by Dancing for Diabetes, Omnipod, and Dexcom. I'm going to do something here I don't usually do. A couple of shout-outs for social media people following the show. This one's the carb-counting mess on Instagram who told me that they left the endo's office with a 65A1C. Congratulations. And the endo asked how they did it. She told her about the podcast. And now the podcast has been introduced by her endocrinologist to other people in the practice. And before she knew it, that person was coming back with better A1C results. So carb-counting mess. You're not such a carb-counting mess, first of all. And secondly, thanks for sharing the show with other people, especially your endocrinologist, who seems willing to share it with other people again. That was really cool. And here, this one's from Facebook. Hey, Amanda in Massachusetts. How are you? Congratulations on your 6.1 A1C. But next time when your mom tries to take a victory lap, don't laugh at her in the endo office. Seriously, congratulations. Really well done. 6.1 is quite something. You should be really proud of yourself. And let your mom be happy for a second. Don't roll your eyes at her, okay? All right, let's get to the show, shall we? This episode is with Alicia. Alicia is Charlie's mom. And Charlie was diagnosed the day after his second birthday. I really think you're going to like this one. But please remember as you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. And you know what else you should remember? DancingForDiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. The people at Dancing for Diabetes aren't asking you for anything. They just want you to know more about them. Please visit DancingForDiabetes.com. There's also links in your show notes. And while you're looking in those show notes, if you're interested in getting an Omnipod or a Dexcom, there's links there too. I am Alicia Schultz, a scientist at a university uh, doing, who does research for a living, and have a husband and two sons, and one of them has type 1 diabetes. Are you able to say what type of research, or do you do whatever lands on your desk? I uh, work in a biochemistry lab, and our, I work in a school of pharmacy. Okay. Our lab does drug discovery. And my project is looking for alternative therapies to hormone replacement therapy to try to alleviate the memory decline that occurs in postmenopausal women. Now, that's just what you tell people to get funding. You're really trying to fix the zombie problem. Is that correct? Is there a zombie problem? Is it going to happen? <laughs> yes or no, Alicia? I need to know right now. I don't think it's going to happen. I it. hope it's not. <laughs> and honestly, with... My son having type 1, there's parts of my brain that are like, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, what will we do? What do we do? Yeah, I've had that thought, actually. So I kind of want to start a pig farm. Oh, make your own insulin. Make my own insulin. Very nice. Yeah. We just got a plan, everyone. Is that's what you're hearing right now, is that most people don't have a real plan. They, um, I always tell people... Uh, that if it happens, you come get me because I'm making it. And so uh, you're going to want to be with me because I'm going to make it to the end. We're going to, but I don't actually believe in any of that. I just think that um, uh, it's nice to get you rolling and comfortable. So we're talking. So you have a son who was diagnosed pretty early, right? How old was he? Are we going to say his name or no? Yeah, we can say his name. Name is, uh, well, his official name is Charles, but we often call Charlie. So, but I have a tendency to switch between. Does it matter if, is it, is it your, like, um, how you feel Charles or Charlie, or is it just happens randomly? I think so. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yes. I think sometimes it's, I'm trying to speak more formally. I call him Charles. Okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he was diagnosed, uh, the day after his uh, Alicia, you cut out. I'm not sure what you said. He was diagnosed. Literally the day after his second birthday. Wow. So there was still like cake on the counter under foil and stuff like that. And stuff was all over the place. And you were coming down. From yeah. The, well, is he your oldest or your, or your second child? I'm sorry. He is my oldest. He actually didn't get a birthday that year, unfortunately, because the party was that weekend, the weekend after his 
actual birthday occurred, and we canceled. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> just did? <laughs> did you just do it with some Jello at the hospital and a candle, or did you just look at him and go, "You know what? We're going to just do this next month. And you're not even going to know the difference." We, I, we. I think we planned on trying to have something at some point, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen, yeah. Uh, luckily, he had been uh, at my parents' house, and they had done like a little celebration with him, which I'm sure was great for undiagnosed diabetes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. Well, how, do you know uh, what his blood sugar was when he was uh, when you took him to the hospital? You know, I don't. But the we have like this portal thing Mm -hmm. and the earliest like one of the earliest test results in there actually wasn't even that high i think it was only like between 350 and 400 how did you catch it well it kind of started about his birthday is early november it was sometime mid-october i went camping Mm -hmm. with just him um my husband what he had to going on he had something else going on it was like a last minute trip yeah, I would have said I had something going on too if you were going camping, but that's 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 smart. <laughs> camping? Oh no, I'm um, I have something. <laughs> I like camping, but camping with children is like a whole other thing. Yeah. So, um, but it was with other another family that had kids, and literally their son is two days younger. Okay. So, um, very close in age. So, uh, he he woke up in the middle of the first night there, uh, drenched in what I thought was sweat some urine he had obviously leaked through his diaper mm-hmm. um and just like screaming for water like what is going on and that whole weekend we went through a ton of diapers and uh, and then it kind of fluctuated for like a week or two where he would have days where he'd drink a ton of water and other days he wouldn't hmm. uh drink quite as much but he he's kind of we we're like oh he's always been a good drinker so it's not that abnormal and I'm in hindsight, I'm like, maybe that was just type one developing. Yeah, it just kind of, kind of came and went, and I feel like something's wrong. And so I, I called the pediatrician and kind of wrote it off a little bit as as like, oh, maybe he had a growth spurt and his bladder didn't catch up. And uh, <laughs> that is the least technical thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> I'm like, as a scientist, my brain was like, I don't know, can that really happen? I don't know. I don't know that much about actual <laughs> organ development, you know? <laughs> and so, and, and, but he wasn't really, he hadn't like lost, like he's also always been like a pretty good eater. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he was, like he's had times where he would eat a lot. And so it wasn't that abnormal yeah. to have him, you know, eat. like, so some of the signs that like are typical like were were things that we didn't see as being abnormal for our kid, and he wasn't like losing weight. Okay. Uh, it so we were kind of like not likely this, and we had his. It was literally his like two year pediatrician normal checkup was scheduled for the day after his birthday. And we're like, well, we've got this other one scheduled already, and you know, it's kind of like, well, probably not this. Not likely, but, you but it up and keep then, an eye on it. Yeah. And if anything else happens, definitely call us back. And uh, then uh, he threw up randomly. And, and it was like one time. Mm-hmm. And then it, he didn't throw up anymore. And then like a few days later, after going out for breakfast, pancakes, he threw up again. And we're like, whoa. And then... And then we got sick. So we're like, oh. So then you thought maybe everybody bug. was sick. Yeah. Boy, it's so, so yeah. circumstances so he kept. he did have a stomach bug. Right. Yeah. But circumstances kept pushing you away from like the idea that he might have diabetes. It's interesting. Exactly. Dancing for Diabetes provides free dance class for kids and teens with type 1 diabetes. They also host several outreach events and they have a program for kids, teens, and adults called Touched by Type 1. Dancingfordiabetes.com. That's why he was with my parents for like the day before, like on his actual birthday. Because you guys were because, sick. Because, yes, my husband and I were were actually sick. Okay. And he came back to us and I'm like, why are we better? And he's not. And like still throwing up. 
So we went to our pediatrician appointment and they really fun to get a urine sample from a two year old. <laughs> they they literally stick a bag around this whole business. Uh huh. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be. No, you two year olds really don't urinate on command, <laughs> so it took a while. Uh, and once we had, like, we actually left the pediatrician and, and I just went home and uh, waited. And just like every 20 minutes checked his diaper to see if there was any urine in the bag. Mm-hmm. And the minute there was any, I they'd given me like a urine sample cup. I put it in there and my husband took it back to the pediatrician. And uh, they were gone a while. And that's, I was like at home being like, uh. Yeah. She's starting this to feel is not like good. something. Yeah, right. and, yeah. And uh, my husband came home and um, like, uh, and while well, my son was home with me, urine sample, mm-hmm. and uh, my son was sleeping on me, and he's like, "Honey, we need to go to the hospital right now." And I was just like, "Oh man, no, no, no it's not and what I want to do." We went to the emer- yeah, yeah, the emergency. They were waiting for us, and that's that's being in an emergency room with a toddler is pretty traumatic yeah sure like i felt so bad for like having an iv put in and lab checking in the er is like hourly Mm -hmm. so it was it was just not good it was interesting probably spent like i'm sorry no i was just gonna say that arden was diagnosed a couple weeks after her second birthday and but we figured it out more in the middle of the night. So she was pretty, you know, wiped out and, and asleep when we took her and she slept through most of what happened in her, you know, initial, you know, being checked over. And the one thing that my wife and I look back on now and we realized we wouldn't have done the same way is that when it was time to take her to the NICU, they took her from us and they, and we didn't go with her and they they put us yeah. in a, they put us in a like a holding room and told us to get some sleep and they'd come get us in a couple of hours. And we did that because it was like by then it was like 3:30 in the morning maybe. My wife has said a million times since then, why did we not go with her? In hindsight, I wish we would have went with Arden. You know, thinking about being able to see into the past and make better decisions or maybe even see into the future. Have you considered using a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor? Because with the Dexcom CGM, you can kind of do just that. You can see what happened in the past with your blood sugar, which will help you make decisions in the future. And you can also, if I may, change the future by making better decisions in the present. Those better decisions might be basal rates, boluses, they might be pre-bolusing, they might be, you know, 20 minutes after you eat going, oh wow, I don't think I counted those carbs right, I can use a little more. And where will you get that information from? Well, you'll get it from the data that's coming back from your Dexcom continuous glucose monitor. The G6 sensor is amazing. Arden says it goes on completely pain-free, and it doesn't require any finger stick calibration. Not only that, but there's a share feature. And let me just tell you a little bit about that. When the person wearing the CGM, whether it's your child or your spouse or yourself, you can allow followers to see your blood sugar in real time. So maybe you're gonna be watching your kid's blood sugar while they're at school, Or maybe, like some people who listen to this show, maybe their wives are nurses overnight and they keep an eye on it for them when they're busy at work. There's a million different ways to use the share feature. You'll decide which way is best for you. But no matter what you do with it, I believe that you're going to find that your decisions and your outcomes are better. Please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or use the links in your show notes to find out more. You'll also be able to find links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Get started today. Why did we not go with her? I don't know. They told us not to, and we just did what they said. You you, you know? Uh Um, But And you're so, like, crying and, like, you know, knocked over and everything. Like, you're not really thinking straight. Maybe that's why. Maybe they're like, let's keep keep the crying people away from the baby. Um, But but it was just, it was really, you know, it was really... It was just an overwhelming experience. Like it really was. So I don't know what happened to Arden in those first couple of hours, like you do. Um, 
I don't uh, want to get too far off track, but I have to ask you, you have sort of a northern accent, but you went camping yeah. in mid October. So Yeah. <laughs> are you crazy? That's or? Because I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no, I'm from so, Wisconsin and we love love our seasons, including fall. And it was gonna be a pretty nice weekend. And uh you were on your way. See, see was, October yeah. in Wisconsin is like summer still to you. So, you know. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's like transitional. Like, it can be good or it can be bad. And if the weather's nice, it's awesome. Because are beautiful and, you know. My, bro- my brother moved to Wisconsin so long ago. I've never visited him. And he's always like, why don't what? you come? And he's like, what about the lakes? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, I was like, I have no free time. You need to come in summer because we're all like nice out. Yeah. Like, we need to go do something right now, all the time. <laughs> we have so many festivals, it's ridiculous. Like, you, yeah. Airplanes and beer yeah. and like all that stuff. I know, he tells me, but I keep telling him, like, I have no time to travel. And the one time you want me to travel, you want me to go to Wisconsin. And then the, your selling point is a lake. I'm like, I don't know. And so. <laughs> So okay, so I so, live outside of Milwaukee. Milwaukee is one of the best, like best kept secrets. Okay. Don't tell anyone. Oh well, yeah. it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing in Milwaukee. That's it. My brother is nearby. Yeah. He, I think he moved out to Oshkosh originally, and uh, he's that's where I grew up. Oh okay, and he's somewhere that's my hometown. He's somewhere still near there. So okay, I don't exactly know. When where. you said airplanes, like he's got to be around Oshkosh because they do that big festival. Where, every, where yeah. everyone comes in and like flies like little airplanes yeah. and like this whole thing. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. We get people from all over the world. Well, we've dug into the extent of my Wisconsin knowledge right there. So other than he right. once told me, <laughs> he, my brother, I should have my brother on this podcast to just tell this story sometime of a guy he worked with who went on a drunken like ride in a Winnebago with a friend and beer and it ended up with them getting shot by a cop. It's it's maybe the best story I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> and and, and it, it, that's exactly what he said when it was over. He was like, and then he finished. He's like, these people have stories like this constantly. <laughs> it was when he it was when he was first there. He's like, he called me. He was like, you have to hear what I'm about to tell you. He's like, listen very closely. And I was like, okay. And then he spun a tail. Uh, it was fascinating. I literally might get him on just to tell that story. I wonder if he could still tell it that well. Um, but anyway, so, okay, so Charlie, Charlie's diagnosed. How long did you spend in the hospital afterwards? Um, well, we went to the ER on Thursday, and then they eventually checked us into the actual hospital. And we went home on Saturday, like midday. Okay. So, well, it's not bad. Uh, a f- couple days, yeah. And then we, we didn't want to be anymore. No, we, of course not. We were like, what do we need to do to get out of here? Yeah. There's beer to drink. Um, and so, <laughs> but so, okay, so you come out. So this is only about a year ago, right? He's only about three now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and so his we, birthday is November. November. So you're diagnosed in, I mean, end of 2016, beginning of 2017-ish? Yes, end right. of 2016. Right. Yep. What was the um, what was it like leaving the hospital? Like, what did they give you? What what were they telling you how you were going to manage this? Like, what tools did you have? We had learned how to poke his finger, do a blood sugar check. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a we had a one touch burio, uh, and insulin pens. Okay all the things that go along with an insulin pen yeah. and a, uh, like if his blood sugar is this, give him this in the, in these ranges, give him this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all they said at the time. Um, oh, they also gave us syringes, which was really weird because I'm like, we're leaving far- the pharmacy. And we're like, why are we taking these boxes? Of- like, yeah. I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> But uh, little did we know, it was because on Monday, we, we our children's hospital is a really, really great diabetes clinic. Mm-hmm. And what we didn't know is that they have all this education and that we were in the hospital getting survival day one. We didn't realize that. And 
we had this th- this appointment scheduled for Monday morning at the at the clinic, and we didn't know, but that was survival day two education. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> when they were going to start really dumping. How to use syringes. Yeah, it's funny yeah. they they give you all that stuff, and and you're staring at it for a couple of days, going like, what uh, what are we what is this for? And it, it, yeah. it, it it's a very un, like they had a plan, but they didn't really let you in on it very much. They sent you home with if this happens to they this, might have. It's possible you just yeah. didn't hear. Uh, yeah, well, or didn't like assess it. All, you no, know, for sure. like you can. I, I, I personally emotionally a wreck. Like I equate it now to, uh, like postpartum emotions, mm-hmm. almost. Uh, like just wild, crazy emotions with random crying. Uh. I was like, this is like having a newborn all over again. Like I feel out of control and I don't know what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was not good. But you feel like they're not going to grow up. Like you feel like, you feel like it's a newborn. You don't understand how to take care of it and it's not going to get any older and you're never going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to be caught Uh in that moment. Like that whole time of that, that the unsure Uh I'm about to kill this kid feeling. That 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 spot. Yes, <laughs> it's a great place. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's wonderful. How good was the um was the instruction when you went back for the basically for the bigger boot camp on diabetes? Did you leave that feeling better or or not particularly? Yeah, yeah. We left feeling better. That um, they taught us how to uh, pull up in from the pen cartridges with syringes. And we actually started doing, because the pens we do half a unit, mm-hmm. and we actually started doing estimating quarter units. Right. And so we had a new scale, and then they also gave us a fixed carbohydrate diet to help basically figure out his numbers and ratios and stuff for a, for a little bit before they could um, release us, I guess, okay. into the world of carb counting. The hard part for that part, fixed carb amount per meal was like, 30 grams of carbs and i think for some people that might be easy but um my kid eats like now it's like 70 grams on average a day so to get him 30 in one meal and this was like you know a year ago he was probably averaging like 60 a day at that point so this was uh, too much food for you at, in a sitting at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was just like forcing carbs into him just to give him insulin. Like it was dumb. I was just like stupid. Like when you wait, say I that, have to give more carbs. <laughs> Keep eating. Insulin? Well, what? what like, that, I'll, I, uh, Alicia, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit, so I got confused. Um, but what it sorry. made what it made me think of is that that's just the math that the doctor knew. Like it's uh-huh. this much insulin for this yeah. many carbs. Like, could they not have like divided that in half? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, but luckily by Thanksgiving, because uh, his birthday's early November. Mm-hmm. Luckily by Thanksgiving, like literally the day before Thanksgiving, we had then a couple different education because they realized that we were on top of things and uh, willing to very quickly learn stuff. Um, and so they, they gave, you uh, more. gave us two education days at once Okay. for Thanksgiving, which allowed us to start carb counting. Okay. Well, so how did and it, uh, so right now are you still using pens? No, no, no. We, uh, well, basically we only use the pens for that one weekend. Oh, no kidding. Uh, we very quickly switched to like straight up syringes, right. pulling our own insulin rather than having the pen measure it. And we we did that until we got a pump. How long have you had a pump? Uh, eleven months. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Oh, so you, did, like you did it pretty March. quick. Yeah, you. you... We're all, we're already already on our second pump. <laughs> Is it because you didn't like the first one, or because what? What? How did you? How did you? Because get... the first one was animus. <laughs> oh, they the stopped making it. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, here's well, this." I mean, pump. No. the they all the deals. 
for switching to something else. Right. And you knew you had to, so, so you took advantage of one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which one did yeah. you go to? We went with Omnipod. Because we really, with him being little, um, we needed something that had like a remote. Mm-hmm. Like having to fiddle with his, it was, no. He's an active kid and uh-uh, no. He almost had to knock so him over and hold him down to give him insulin so he wouldn't move around while you were trying to use the controller that was attached to him by the tube. Yeah, or running after a, hey, you have a tube, you can't run away from me, and you're like <laughs> running after him, holding and hoping that all the, A, you don't drop the expensive pump and break it, mm-hmm. or, or B, that you just pull the infusion side out, and yeah. then you have to do that whole rigmarole again. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's a pretty fun thing. So having a remote kind of uh, a deal breaker. And um, we we got a, a Dexcom before Christmas that year. So, so you're with him simple. being in the hospital and everything, we hit Medical Max. And I'm like, the, the, the children's people is like, is there anything else we can do for you? And I'm like, what do we need to do to get a Dexcom CGM? And how did you find <laughs> out about like, that oh, so quickly? How did you find out about that so quickly? Um, my husband, Josh, is uh, in the tech world. He's a software developer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, writes code all day. And there's a pretty prominent guy in the tech community that my husband follows for his like tech side of his life. Right. He happens to also be a type 1 diabetic. Oh, no kidding. Um, and so my husband was kind of aware of his... His stuff that he had put out about and immediately like we're in the hospital and I'm emotional wreck and he's like problem solving yeah. uh, by being up all about stuff. And so when we left the hospital, uh, we wanted a pump and a CGM. Okay. That's such like, a... I kind of feel like we, we said to our, our to get a pump and a CGM and they were like, whoa, 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 you need to slow down. <laughs> Like, no, my husband follows a guy for his coding and he has diabetes and he has this stuff and let's get going. That's such a strange route to understanding (laughs) that stuff. That's very random, actually. Yeah. Uh, But cool. I mean, very cool because it it, it fast forwarded you, right? It it took you right to. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it sounds like they didn't didn't fight you that much. No, they didn't. And even with the pump stuff, they didn't, they didn't fight us with it. They were just like, okay, we have all this education that you need to get through. And they tried to get us. That it's fast. I see. I see. Like last January, a year ago, I uh, I think we were at the clinic four different times just for education. Oh, wow. Just to like get all the classes in. I mean, some of them were the pump classes. Did you have to do like a nutrition class, pump? um, Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Like a pump try on. Then they have all the pump reps there. Yeah. And so you can like look at the pump pump parts and you can like trial putting on it. That we did one of those, like a little fashion show for them. It's like a it's like a miniature sales yeah uh, yeah situation. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got decision to make. Sense might as well talk to somebody who knows the product. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. When you contacted me about being on the podcast, you said that I needed to have, you were very direct, by the way, <laughs> you said it was, it was polite. Don't get me wrong, but you were like, you need to have more people on of young kids in the podcast. And I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not gonna, I don't want to argue. Yeah. Uh, so what I say here all the time, like, it's very easy to be on the podcast. You just have to tell me you want to be on or there's somebody you want to hear. And it pretty much happens like that. But, um, but, but can you tell me why you felt that way? Cause you're listening to the podcast. What was it not? filling in for there's some had to have been something that you weren't feeling served on i guess so this morning i hope they don't mind me saying this this morning i was talking to the mother of a little girl who lives around atlanta and we were talking about how we manage type 1 diabetes and she said no one's ever said this to me before and i thought it's just so disappointing like you know new people come into the community constantly and they hear the same things over and over again the kind of you know same kind of BS. And then it's up to them to figure the way through everything to come up with this idea of their own. But where do you get that information from if people aren't constantly telling you, hey, you know, there's a better way. And if you're considering insulin pumping, in my opinion, and based on a decade of use, 
the better way is the Omnipod. It is tubeless, it is carefree, you can swim with it and shower with it without disconnecting. The process of putting on an Omnipod is like three steps and takes like, I can do it in like a minute at this point. So your pod changes are almost effortless and it's tubeless. So you're not carrying any large controller device on your body. You know, and if you're an adult, that's hard enough. You're sticking it in your bra or jamming it in your pants. But imagine if you're a kid and you're carrying this thing around that's heavy and large. On the other hand, the Omnipod is tiny and it's controlled wirelessly by this little device. All you have to do is pick it up and say, hey, give me a little more basil, a little more insulin. You know, how many carbs am I eating? This many, push a button. It's that easy. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The links in your show notes are at juiceboxpodcast.com. At that link, you'll find out how simple it is to get a free, no obligation demo pod sent right to your house. So you can check it out and see if what I said is true. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. It had to have been something that you weren't feeling served on. Yeah. Um, I just, I felt like, I felt like you're the, Dealing with type one is a thing that is the way you, you deal with it to some degree has to do with like a, your years of experience with it, but there's also an element of understanding the, where you are life and developmentally. And, um, some of the things that you can do with the way that you deal with garden diabetes, I feel is not that you can't do it, but that it needs to be a little bit more reserved maybe with a little kid that's so little. And there's an element of some of the stuff that he doesn't understand. He didn't understand what was going on or what was happening to him. And so you can't really get that buy-in waiting or something like that. And so uh, I, I just, I feel like, Kind of reflecting on that this morning because like sent that message at one point in time and have we've grown and diabetes since has changed that. and my kid has grown a little bit since then because right. when they're little they grow so fast so um so if you would have thought to reach out to me today for the first time would you have had the same feeling um yeah just a little bit okay um Maybe I wouldn't have felt quite as strongly about so it, but, Alicia, but maybe it's what I'm hearing good that is, I reached out at that time just because, like, and you have had some people. Right. Then, so. Well, here, here's what I'm hearing. It's you. It's not me. No, I'm just kidding. So, no. <laughs> the, oh, totally. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody's got to take their, you, know, you put it out there, but people take, take, can take from it what they what they need. So I think there's, thing. yeah, I think there's two different thoughts here, like, in my mind when I'm listening to you. The first one is that everything's more difficult with a younger person for, for a couple of obvious reasons, right? Like you can't always count on them to eat what you expect them to eat. It's difficult to reason with mm-hmm. them. You, you know, putting a bunch of insulin in somebody, you know, putting two waffles in front of them, pre-bolusing for it, and 10 minutes later having a two-year-old look at you and go, I'm not eating these waffles, would make you feel like yeah. jumping out a window. And, and, and so I get that. Like that's definitely one aspect of it. And the other aspect I think is yeah. – but, but I think the rest of it is this, is that, so from my perspective, I know your life with a two-year-old, with, you know, or somebody's life with a two-year-old with diabetes, because I've had it before. And my thought is, my, yeah. my contention is, is that if you're not careful, you could get stuck in that fear and anxiety. And so uh-huh. I see myself yeah. as someone who's 50, 100 yards ahead of you on a long, dark path. And even though I'm pretty far ahead of you, and you don't have a flashlight, I keep waving my flashlight at you yelling, hurry up, catch up, let's go, get up here. And and trying to drag you from where you are to where I am. Because if I don't, I feel like you're going to get stuck back there because that's what happened to me. And so yeah. while there's probably yeah. not, there's probably not an apples to apples way for me to say, this is how we deal with Arden and I could apply it to you as a two-year-old. Although I think a yeah. lot of it applies I think that my bigger goal is to just sort of be the person up ahead that you go, I wish I was doing it like that. Like, how do I get to that? That looks possible. Uh, that guy, I've listened to his podcast. He seems like an idiot. So if he can do it, I probably could do it too. And and like to give you that feeling that it's possible, there is a place you can go, you can get to it. 
And if you if you and, and I'm here, like come come meet me at it. It's not just some random place in the up ahead that you can't imagine. So I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. It does sound like it does. It. yeah. And okay. I've, I I think that's why uh, some of I've been reflecting on uh, sending you that message and mm-hmm. and to now. And I I wonder if some of it isn't like I've I've contemplated whether some of it is like like the fear that you talk about of the fear of of doing it um but uh and so that's why i was like i don't know that i would put it strongly as i had in that initial message uh so i am a very direct use the word need i was like okay i'm sorry i'll do it But you're also delightful, so I, I so, it's not like you were yelling. Like, I want to be clear. I didn't feel like you were attacking me, but you were very much. I, okay, I, I could feel in you where you were with your diabetes by the by the tone of your note. Yeah. Like, basically what you said yeah. to me was, yeah. you have to let me come on the podcast and explain to me the stuff I don't understand between what I know and what I want to know. And if, yeah. I, if I told you in that email that the rest of it's just time and experience – that's not a very satisfying answer at that time, B- but it's true, right? You're there's starting to feel that too of, yeah, there's an element too of like, I process things verbally a lot. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes just having somebody else to literally talk to, sure. uh, can, can be helpful for myself. Okay. And so there, there's a selfish reason of like, okay, maybe if I have this conversation that it will benefit me. In some way. Well, we have 25 and minutes. Then the Alicia, let's have the conversation. Yeah. Let's, let's do I it. I feel too like a lot of people find the podcast and find the Facebook groups and stuff um, pretty early on. And they're, they're in a, they're in a time that I still pretty freshly remember. Mm-hmm. And I think it is also useful for people to hear uh, the stories of other people going through that. Like, and not having it be so far behind them. Right. But to, you know, there, there's, there's, cause there's the, the emotional aspect of diabetes. And I know with a lot of, tell you, like, you can't be emotionally tied to it, but it is definitely early on. It's oh yeah very hard to remove yourself from it. Absolutely. No, you're 100 percent right. Also, I think part of my motivation. No, I think so. I think what you're what? Bump, what you're bumping up against, and what I what I is this thing that strikes me all the time. So this podcast is now. I just got like a Facebook message the other day. It's like this is the anniversary, so it's it's like three years old. Um, where you know you and I are recording what'll one day end up being like the 180th episode of it, and it's already got like 150 mm. out, and so. My one like issue is, is this, like, I, I think that what I do, I do pretty good, but my brain doesn't work in a real, like, like, like a clean order. If it did, I probably would have done the first episode about this is what happens when you get diagnosed. And then this is that I would have done something in some sort of <laughs> like reasonable order, which as a researcher probably makes a lot of sense to you. But the, the funny oh, yeah, thing, totally. yeah, but the funny thing is, is the stuff I figured out about diabetes is because my brain doesn't work like that at all. And so, right. And so what I think I've come down to is if you really, if you really want to get something out of this podcast, you just have to listen to the episodes and very slowly pieces will come together and stuff will start to make sense. If you're looking for someone to put it in order for you, I'm not the guy. I can't do that. But the problem is your hospital tried to do that. Didn't really help you. Yeah. Right. And so. It's my expectation that these conversations are the path to it. Now, I will say this. I do have a plan to sit down with Jenny Smith again, uh, the CD who comes on once in a while. And I want to do a, yeah. like a basically so you were just diagnosed with diabetes episode, something like a primer to get you going. Um, I do think the yeah. podcast needs that. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably be helpful because the other thing that was – very kind of difficult in the beginning is I, I did start because li- I'm a podcast and um, like I don't listen to music I only listen to podcasts now uh, and 
I, I found your podcast very early on and I was hearing all this stuff and I'm like, this is possible. We need to just do it. And, and my husband's like, hold on. <laughs> like, let's slow down take there. One step at a time. <laughs> but see, yeah. but see, so, I'll tell you how great so that makes like me having feel. A primer would help. What? So having a primer would help, you think? Yes, I think it would. Okay, I actually do too. I just I'm trying to imagine me for an hour staying focused on one idea. But that's um, but but see, the funny thing is though, is the way you felt after you listened to it, that was my goal. Like I want you to yeah. feel like I can do this. This is possible. There's a thing out here that happens just because I don't know about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Because I think that is, if I can be critical for a second of people who share online together, when something doesn't work for them. And this isn't even, you know, it, I should make it a bigger thing. Our minds tell us, it, I figured this out, it doesn't work. And so when, when your brain can't figure something out, your expectation is it's because it doesn't exist, right? Like very few of us, yeah. I, I'll tell you, there's one thing I, um, there's one thing I, re I realized about myself. I wrote a parenting book along like a few years ago. And while I was re writing it, yeah. I recognized about myself that one of my favorite things to do is to get to the very edge of what I understand and just sit there in that horrible feeling like there's more and I don't know what it is and try to imagine what it is. Um, that's weird. And I don't think a ton of people do that. I think a lot of people get to the edge of what they can oh. understand and they imagine that this is the edge. This is the end of what there is to understand. Um, and so I don't know. It's a very strange way of saying that that I think that that's what happens to people. I think that they have an experience with diabetes. It goes a certain way. It happens again. And they think, oh, and then they say those words that make me mental. Oh, that's just diabetes. And that's not just diabetes. You can eat pancakes without your blood sugar going to 350. If it's going to 350, you just don't know how to do it yet. But if you get stuck yeah. thinking that it's not possible, then I feel like I lost you. And so while you're busy yeah. messing around and it's not going well, what I want to do is give you the feeling that, no, there, there's an answer here. I just don't know what it is yet. And maybe this person can tell it to me, which makes it feel more hopeful and less impossible, I guess. That's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. And pancakes is a great example because um, we have a tendency to like going out for brunch. Mm -hmm. uh, pancakes are often part of that. And... Uh, Probably tried to figure out like we go to the same place. Get the same. We've probably tried to figure it out like twenty times <laughs> at least, and it, we still don't have it right. Okay, but it, we didn't get it right for a long time. I think out of because it was it was like we we know roughly it's probably this many carbs, but we still weren't bolusing for it. Like we would still only bolus for like. 20 of the like yeah. 50 carbs or something. And it's like, you're setting yourself for failure in hindsight. Right. But at the time it was like, given him this much insulin up front, this is scary. What's going to happen? I don't know. And we're out in public and like, what? Yeah. It's just that fear. And, uh, until we started just being like, you know, let's try it. Who cares? Right. Let's try. Let's, you know, what, what are we comfortable with trying? Mm -hmm. And let's try that. And, uh, well, Alicia, I, I yeah. end up telling people all the time, that well, so there's first. For, let me go back first. You said something really interesting. You said so you know it's probably X amount of insulin, but you use less. The funny thing is, is that after you consciously use less insulin, when the blood sugar goes up, you never go back to well, I didn't use enough insulin. It's always something else. It must have been diabetes. Yeah. Pancakes are hard to do. People do that stuff all the time. You actually they uh -huh. take you know what I mean. They take away the reason and then don't go back to saying well that was the reason. That's fascinating to me. The second part is. Um, it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's like it's just that fear, like that I'm going to do the wrong thing and it's gonna go it's gonna go horribly wrong. But the truth of the matter is, is that in almost every situation when your blood sugar is high, if you stop and think about it, you later give more insulin. It just belonged up front. That's all. Like it just you yeah. you know what I mean. And after you see that a couple of times. It's how you get to this very convoluted sentence that I speak a lot on the podcast, which is you have to believe that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. You just have yeah. to. If you don't believe that, you're screwed. 
you you it ha- you have to believe it. You have to go. I know that if I don't put this insulin in right now, he's going to get high. And later, I'm going to yeah. need two more units to bring it back down. So damn it, let's just do the two units right now. If you yeah. don't, if you can't do the that, you'll be lost forever with it. The only I think the thing that makes it harder for like parents of little kids to do that is that with little kids, especially honeymooning kids, like you could do the same thing and it can go haywire. Oh, sure. For whatever reason. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so there's an element of like that, that um, reinforcing your learning. Like you don't have that reinforcing because it, it can go totally opposite one t- the next time. And we've, this is one thing we've kind of seen recently with Charlie. I almost feel, I don't know if he's, I think he's still honeymooning because he still, I think has just comparative his numbers to some other people. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but we, we have times where all of a sudden out of like everything will just not work or yeah. everything will just suddenly way overwork yeah. and you're just like, why is that? So that's, <laughs> that's so, so I hate to say that that happens, but that happens. And yeah. so then that's how yeah. you have to be fluid and know how to address it afterwards. When I was 10 years old, I was playing Atari. When Elizabeth Forrest was 10 years old, she was being diagnosed with type one diabetes and beginning to hatch a plan to create an organization called Dancing for Diabetes. And today, that exists. So while I could never figure out how to get through the opening gate in Zaxxon, Elizabeth figured out how to help children with type 1 diabetes through dance. Find out more about it. Scroll down, see some of the pictures at dancingfordiabetes.com. Dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. You have to be fluid and know how to address it afterwards. Arden had a stretch just yesterday where she was just on the low side the whole time. And so she had to go work out last night. She does like a, it's a, I don't know, it's exercise. I don't know what you call it because uh, I don't do it. But it's where people move their bodies really quickly for, for not a sporting reason, to be in better shape. Let's call it that. <laughs> and, um, and so she had... I don't know. I don't like to think about it. It makes me upset to think about sweating. And so she, so she does this thing. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, she's been on the low side all day, which means that everything I've bolused, I've had to give her less insulin for, and she's still hanging at like 85, you know? So I'm like, there's a meal she ate that I was, that in any other regular situation would take eight units. I only gave her four and a half and she was still like 75 for a while after it was over. And so I'm like, I said to my, I wasn't home. And I said to my wife, I'm like, look, this training's coming up. Let's do a temp basal decrease of this much, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's going to work. And it was working great, except that it was also the end of her pump. And none of us were paying attention to that. So last night at like, I don't know if it was like 10 o'clock, my wife goes, Oh God, we have to change our pump. And I was like, Oh, all right. And then that's when we started paying attention to the fact that this beautiful like 75 blood sugar that had been existing for the past seven hours all of a sudden was turning up because all of a sudden her pump was kind of done. It was cooked and it wasn't delivering as well. Plus I scaled back the basal rate. So I did everything right and then I got this spike. And I was like, oh. So I put the new pump on and I bolused for the spike considering the new pump. And I did exactly what I knew I what what in the most times was going to take insulin wise, except I forgot to take into account that she had been so like low for the last eight hours. Been super sensitive, right? And so, yeah. so what I so I forgot about that because I got aggressive with the spike the way I should have been, except I should have been less aggressive with the spike, and mm-hmm. and. That's a lot to think about. And I had had a long day. I was out for like five hours doing a ton of driving. I came home tired. It just didn't occur to me right away. I did the bolus and it came back to get me because at one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, she was like 55 and she was in Ugh. that, she was in that 55 that it didn't matter what you did. Wasn't going to stop being 55. And yeah. so got her juice, shut off her basil, did all that stuff. And I was up until I know exactly what time I closed my eyes, 4.17 in the morning. And that's when I got her to 75 diagonal up. And I was like, oh, this is going to, I know this is okay now. And so I didn't over, I didn't over treat it. uh, And I was comfortable leaving her at like 64 for like an hour while it was working itself out. But I did stay awake and pay attention to it. But it all goes back to 
I did the right thing. I didn't consider all of the variables, but yeah. I'm but I'm still not upset with that because I would have rather her been 64 for an hour, 55 than to 64, than taking a while to go back up, than for me to undertreat that spike and for her blood sugar to have been 250 all night. I, I just I steadfastly stay by. Uh, um, I stick behind my words that I would rather stop a low or falling blood sugar than fight with a high one. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And my so, husband and I early on had have fights about that. Because um, he wasn't listening to the podcast like I was. <laughs> well, it's not his fault, Josh. Uh, yeah. He's slow. It's interesting, too. So, um, well, I have a couple things I have in my brain. First, you talk about the, the pump being like on its last leg and you think it doesn't deliver as accurately. Um, or something. It's the infusion uh, set. The, so it could happen with any pump. Like sometimes okay. the spot think, gets oversaturated. It's or, right. It's the All site. Right. Yeah. Um, and then what do you find? Um, do, you, do you feel like there's like almost a A in insulin absorption over time? Sorry, this is a very scientific way of explaining it because this is the way I think. Um, like the, the first day of the site, you find like it overworks. And then, like, the second day, you kind of have, like, a midpoint, and then the third day, usually, it's starting to, to decrease in, like, its absorption. I don't, yeah, I don't um, think the first day is an overworking. I think of it as, in a perfect world, this is how it would work all the time. Um, you know, okay. and, and right. so, right, yeah. and then it, it, it devolves as, as it goes along, because the site gets, it gets saturated with insulin, or maybe you're using the same sites too frequently, or whatever it ends up being. And it doesn't yeah. always happen, by the way. Yeah. Some pump sites, like, cruise the whole time. And, but, but when, like, why do I need to change? Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, there are, you know, there's times like I'm leaving this one on forever. And, but, but there's, (laughs) but there's also spots where as, as you're getting to the end of that third day and you're starting to get diminishing returns in the insulin, you have to assume, I, I always think, well, you know, of course that's happening. Um, because, because trust me, as low as Arden was last night, she continues that trend today. She's 83 right now. And so it wasn't my like slight temp basal decrease that caused the spike. It was that combined with the, the life of the pump ending, basically. Yeah. And yeah, so because yeah. it, it, you know, it, it just is. But there are times when, you know, there are times when she's not on the low side. And this is actually Arden just, I know this is as good a place as any to say, Arden just started getting her period. And this is her first time with it. And to be honest, so far, what I'm noticing is, is that her blood sugar is super simple to take care of. It's very stable and low uh, with less insulin so far during, since, during this cycle. So give far. it a couple of weeks. I'm sure it'll be terrible in two weeks. Yeah. I'll say, I'll, I mean, I'll find <laughs> out. But but I still think the goal is to just want to get some charts of like hormones over a cycle. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Sorry, it's very sorry. No, you're not gonna I'm do gonna that. Give you're up not. Is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, you're in a lab somewhere making better hormones or something like that. So just send them over. Um, but but you know, like, but my goal is I'll just stay fluid and I'll figure it out. And and I think that the expectation that your diabetes is always going to be perfect is ridiculous. Like I saw somebody the other day talking about. They're trying to get their basal rates just right. I'm like, that's a fool's errand. Like it just really is. Um, and I, I know a woman I spoke to recently who bought into the idea of like, look, just set a basic basal rate and then use temp basils because think your body changes all the time. Why would your basal rates not change pretty frequently? She got yelled at by her endo and then she pushed back and she continued to do it and the endo gave up and she's having good success with it. Um, you can't, but I see other people who are like, as soon as I get, all I have to do is get these basils right and then everything's going to be okay. You're, you're fooling yourself if you think that's going to happen. You're going to get those basils right and then something else is going to change and they're going to be wrong again. You're going to spend your whole life trying to do this because why? Because someone yeah. told you there's basal rates in the pump and you have to get them right? Just get them about right. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's I, Sometimes yeah. I think people yeah. focus on the wrong stuff. Yeah. We just simplified his, Charlie's basal programs. I think it's maybe because my husband is wearing, is reading sugar surfing right now. Okay. Um, and, do they tell uh, you to do that in just, sugar? I've never read sugar surfing. Do they tell you to do that in sugar surfing? I think he's, I was going to say he said to set like one basal rate and just leave it. Like It totally just, makes sense to me. And then just adjust always, the temps. I, so now we have like two different, different rates and it seems to be, it seems to have 
uh, helped a lot of, not all of, but the Some things that were we're noticing we're being a current chronic problem. Yeah, I, I I do have an overnight rate that's lower than the day rate, but not by a lot. It's just what I figured out works. Um, yeah. But, you know, for the most part, we we'll just adjust if we have to adjust. I think it was in that book. My husband just told me he read something that, like, the pancreas, I don't know, research accuracy of this, but the pancreas, on average, puts out for, like, a normal person, puts out bolus-type insulin, like, 11 times a day. Oh, no kidding. Like, it just will dump, dump insulin, you know, like, like we bolus for meals, like, 11 times a day for an average person. Like, take care and of, like, like, body functions, maybe, with uh-huh. extra insulin. Yeah. 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 Well, that's... Just like, what? Well, that's why I'll tell you that what, what I'll do is if it's a carb-heavy meal, I'll just randomly double her basil at the big, be- you know, yeah. near the beginning of a carb heavy meal, because it just makes sense. I think I called it carpet bombing with insulin one time. And somebody, a, a lot of people really like that. I've seen it online now talked about that way. Just the idea of like, you're trying to, there's this area of time with these heavier carbs and it just makes sense to up the basal rate over that space. Yeah. Um, we you know. see that a lot too, because, uh, with protein and fat as well. Um, and it's kind of impressive forget who the guy was the guy one that just got released with the four-year-old um he talked about how he thought he saw it like hours later or something and we see that too like there's something with kids in the way that especially if it's like a big meal and he's eating protein and fat mm-hmm. like we can see we'll just we sometimes just especially if it's dinner we just all night long he just gets a, a, an increased basil just because the fat there's it, yeah, it's just, and it lasts longer than I I would expect. I so there's just something about the digestion that the fat keeps the carbs sort of in your stomach and your system longer, I guess. And yeah, I wonder right. if it has to do with like digestion and sleeping. That digestion is like slowing down because other stuff is happening, or if it's a combination of little kids are also doing so much growing when they sleep, even you know like even outside of a growth spurt, like the things that are happening when you sleep, they sleep for so long that maybe that biochemically, whatever's happening requires more basal insulin. It's interesting. The minute Arden goes to sleep, her blood sugar starts to go down because she relaxes and then she doesn't Hmm. need like, you know, if she's doing her homework and she's kind of amped up for her homework or something like that, the minute that, I don't want to call it anxiety, but the minute that extra stuff you're thinking about goes away, her blood sugar tends to go down. Just yeah, like it goes down at the end of a school day. Yeah. yeah. Like his, his mealtime insulin will wear off and then he'll slowly tick up. And then like even now we, we just change his basil so that now an alarm isn't going off. It's not going as high. Um, um, he's not going out of a range. Uh, he'll, you'll still, I wake up in the morning and I look and he's had, you know, a very nice drift up and then a drift back down. And how far just, up? It, how it, far it, up does it get before it comes back? And where does it go back to? Um, well, we target 140. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to go. Our, our range is like 100 to 180. Although we don't like treat treat a low unless he's like below 80. Oh, good. Um, but we might we might give him like a little like, and it's a bedtime kind of thing. A little it kind of depends on time of day. Yeah. What's been going on and what we think is. Going happen of course um sleeping is one thing versus he's napping and i'm awake mm-hmm. and he's expected to be woken up because we also very much value sleep in our house like it's very important um for health and so uh that's part of it you're trying to accomplish that no i know i yeah, i got so tired i got so tired the other day i was just like it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and i said i'm gonna go lay down so i don't die and yeah, uh totally. and, yeah because <laughs> i just yeah. i got cloudy and i was like i don't even know what's going on anymore and i just got done being sick so I, i'm still kind of like battling back from that and i was just like i can't i i can't i have to i i can't <laughs> just laid yeah. laid down yeah. so we're kind of at the end is there anything else you wanted to bring up or talk about um yeah uh one of the other things is uh that we, my husband and I have, right, um, very, very cutely, 
toddlers are awesome. Um, I mean, he's not a toddler now, but when he was two and trying to get him to understand, Charlie to understand diabetes, mm-hmm. um, he, we, 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 you know, you give stuff kind of kids terms. Yeah. One time he referred to getting his insulin shot as insulining. Um, and so we've started a, a website called insulining.com. Nice. So it's insulin and then an extra N. What do you so got? What do you, what do you, do, what do you do there? Are you blogging there? What are you doing with the, what are you doing with the space? Yeah, we're, we're blogging there. Um, right now, basically the, the main thing that's on there is Charlie's diagnosis story. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're hoping to, uh, we have a lot of other content ideas, but we'll probably do some blogging. And part of the reason I microphone that I'm speaking on was a, a gift, um, was that Start doing our own podcasting in the future as well. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our goal. Because we we do feel that there's a lot of room within the Type One space to have more more voices and more uh, just more ideas out there of how to tackle a lot of this stuff. Of course. So no, absolutely. I yeah. guess the only other thing I I want to say is that I do have another child. And that um, I was pregnant with him when Charlie was diagnosed, like very early. Oh, no kidding. So I essentially have children, uh, you know, diabetes, Charlie. <laughs> it was just kind of, uh, that's, that's the whole other, we could probably talk. And that other kid. <laughs> about, about the, yeah, having a second child and worrying and about are they going to get it but you know I, you've had a lot of people talking about that in trial net and stuff so yeah, it is um, uh it, it's definitely something that gets you i still my son is going to be 18 in a couple of weeks uh he's done trial net he does not have any markers for type 1 diabetes and still if he gets sick i stare at him like oh my god is he going to get diabetes so uh have you have you pricked his finger uh have you done he, a check when he was younger in his sleep once yeah because he was coming home from school and using the bathroom a lot uh, uh. And so, yeah, when he was asleep, we did it. He doesn't know we did it, I don't think. So, but th- and that was a, a, a long. It was a long time ago, actually. But yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I have. Other than that, I mean, I don't think about it often. But when he gets sick, sometimes it it, it creeps into my head. Um, that's for certain. Yeah, there was so much with Charlie that I see as hindsight. That now, if anything remotely similar to that happens with Sam, I'm like. Type one developing, well, but I, I haven't. I haven't checked. You haven't yet, done that yet. So. <laughs> no, he's only like he's not even seven months old. Right. Well, <laughs> let's hope it never happens. Um, yeah. But I really appreciate you coming on and 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 well and telling me you were coming on. And so, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but it was really it was really great of you to take the time and do it. I know I had to push you off because I was sick. Uh, we were supposed to do this like a week or so ago, but I I got so sick the night before we were supposed to do this that the day that we were supposed to do this, I did not like get out of bed. I just and I that is not me. And I was in bed all day, and the next day I was a wreck. And so I appreciate you being flexible. And thank no, you. No, I get much. it. We had it around. Did you guys get no sick there? this year? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy too. Like Charlie got his first, next, second stomach bug ever in his life. Right. And. Uh, how fast ketones developed was crazy. Okay. Um, even without blood sugar being crazy, but then afterwards the recovery, he was so insulin sensitive. We had meals we didn't even. You didn't eat insulin for. Yeah, so he, he also didn't have a lot of appetite, so he wasn't eating a lot. So there just basically there wasn't enough to yeah. even. You know, we would just not dose, and if he happened to go up later, we would dose, but because we were just we actually started actually using. Uh, because of that happening, okay. needed something work faster. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Well, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Hey guys, if you want to check out Alicia's blog, it's at insulining.com. I N S U L I N N I N G. I think that's how I learned how to spell Mississippi. M I S S I S S I P P I. I N S U L I N N I N G. Okay, it's not quite the same. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Omnipod and Dexcom and Dancing for Diabetes. Without them, the podcast doesn't exist, so please hit the links. If you end up getting a demo pod from Omnipod or checking out the amazing G6 CGM, or if you get involved with Dancing for Diabetes, let them know you came from the podcast, please.
Also, I just saw all the great new reviews and ratings of the podcast on iTunes, and I really appreciate it. Lastly, before I go, and Basil's snoring in the background, so please put up with me if you hear that. Since we did some shout-outs at the beginning of the show, I want to do a couple more because there are people listening all over the world. I didn't know if you knew that. So a bulk of the downloads, of course, do come from the United States. I think followed up by Canada is pretty much the second largest group of downloads. But then would you imagine, where is next? Australia. There are also listeners in Brazil, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, Argentina, Chile, South Africa, Algeria, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Ethiopia, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Turkey, Romania, Ukraine, the UK, Poland, Germany, France. Actually, the UK's got more than Australia. Come on, Australia. Catch up. You know, there are people listening in China and Japan and Russia and South Korea. So if you're one of those people in the Philippines downloading the podcast, you are totally not alone. You are so not alone because there's even someone listening in Iceland. I can't thank you guys enough for finding the show and for sharing it. I am fairly certain it would not exist in Iceland if it wasn't for you guys. So please, if you find the show rewarding, share it with somebody else. Have a great day. I'll see you next week.